at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down our, our uh, track of going through the Bible, and tonight's message is Jeremiah. Um, he was a, another one of the, the major prophets in Israel. Um, he was a priest, and when God tried to call him in to becoming a prophet, he was like, oh no, oh no, 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 I don't want to do that. And he had plans for his own life, he had plans to get married, and God was like, no, I have other plans for you. And he had a wrestling match. Was he going to do what God is calling him to do? Or was he going to do what he wanted to do and serve the Lord his way? And eventually the Lord wins, as he always does. And he decided to, to become a prophet to the nation. But he was also a prophet to the country. you know. And he pronounced judgment for the sins that were going on in the country at that time, specifically in the religious leaders and the governmental leaders. There was a lot of injustice that they were taxing people and, and taking advantage of the refugees and the widowed and the poor. And there was a lot of corruption in the temple and the, and the religious regimes. You know, that there was a lot of stuff that was going on at that time. And, and God was calling him to tell them that there was a different way. You know, as we've been going through the Bible and we continue to see this pattern over and over and over again that God has a plan and man ruins it. You know, and God says that you shouldn't do this and you should do that. And they said, I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm going to expect you to bless it. You know, and once again, we see all through the Old Testament woven is this message of mercy and grace and compassion and patience. You know, a lot of people say that you know, the Old Testament God is, you know, this judgmental God and he's trying to send everybody to hell. And that the New Testament God is this loving and, and good God. But when you really look at it, you know, Jeremiah spent the last 20 years of Judah's, you know, southern Judah's, you know, time telling them that there was a better way that we should follow God, you should turn from your sins, you should turn from your idol worship, you should turn from your idolatry, you should turn from your adultery, you should turn because you're prostituting God, and all these other things. For 20 years, Jeremiah continued to speak this message of turn to God, he's got a better plan, you know, and they didn't turn. Where you see in the New Testament, you know, there was a time that Someone lied and said that they sold a piece of property and kept some of the money and they died instantly. So when you start adding the Holy Spirit into situations, you know, God doesn't take it kindly like when we lie for Him. You know, and we, we say we're going to do certain things and, and we don't. You know, lying is a big deal all throughout the Bible. You know, you see different people try to manipulate and, and, and get away with. And the Bible tells us that when we lie, that our father is the father of lies, which is, you know, the enemy of our soul. You know, and it's so important that we realize that we're not to be perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. However, there's grace and there's a time frame for us to turn from said sin that God is beginning to address in our lives. How many times has God started to to talk to us about certain areas of our lives that need to change, and we're like, no, I'm going to continue to do it our way, or I'm going to continue to do it my way. And within a short amount of time, things get real crazy, you know, painful even. And 
you know, what I begin to see through this book, and this is one of my, you know, I would say favorite books of the Old Testament, because when I read Jeremiah, I see America. Almost everything that Jeremiah is talking about through the book of Jeremiah is happening in America right now. Has been for years. There's corruption in the church. They're taking advantage of the poor and injustice. They're selling, you know, healing waters from the Jordan. And, and you know, we see, you know, mega pastors with million dollar churches and, and, and all this crazy stuff. And they're building these great empires. But yet, you know, when the hurricanes hit and other things that they're strict in their monies and they're, and they're not generous, you know, they want you to be generous with your money but they're not generous with theirs, you know, and, and our government is, is all over the place, has been for years, you know, things today that we would say were sin are completely okay, you know, and, and it's important for us to realize that God's word is true, has been true, still is true today, you know, and when we stick close to God's word, you know, even when people might persecute us, you know, that God is the one that takes care of us. You know, and it's so important that we realize that whether it's Obama or whether it's Trump or whoever's the next president, they're not our savior. You know, Jesus is our one and only savior. You know, and when we trust in him, he begins to guide us through whatever's going on in our lives. But there's a couple, two, three verses in Jeremiah that are really kind of amazing to me. You know, and this one in particular, in, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1.5, it says, I, I created you from within the womb. Now, this day society, we would say that we can, you know, choose our own gender. And that's crazy to me, because the last I knew that there's boys and then there's girls. And there can be all sorts of crazy stuff, but the truth of the matter is, is we were born one way. You know, and God says that I have a purpose and a plan for you from when you were in the womb. See, my life has been absolutely chaotic. You know, as most of us in here have done some really crazy things the majority of our lives. You know, and all throughout my young adult, adolescent years and into my 20s, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to use a lot of drugs and I anticipated using drugs to the day that I died and that no one's going to tell me what to do, and if you tell me to go right, I'm going to go left twice and flip you off as I'm doing it. You know, and that's just how I lived. You know, and I would care to say that most of you in here can agree that that's just the way we are. You know, we've been rebellious to the core since we were little kids. You know, and some of you maybe not so much. You know, some of you hear some of the stories out of some of the rest of us, and you're like, ooh, that's pretty crazy. You know, but you have your own crazy stories as well, I'm sure. However, when Jesus came into my life, just as he's coming into your lives, all of a sudden our eyes see differently. Our brains work differently. Our ears hear differently. Our heart feels differently. You know, and if you would have told me 15 years ago in the midst of my addiction, you know, that one day that I was going to be a pastor, there was no way that you could have convinced me that that was ever going to take place. Never in a million years. You know, I think back to 2002 when I came from Binghamton to Utica. 
you know, I was an atheist and a very proud one, an arrogant one, prideful one. You know, anybody that talked about religion or any sort of supernatural thing, I was quick to tell them how stupid they were and how this was dumb and you're weak and yada, yada, yada. You know, and I had all the different things that I would say when anybody would talk about God or God's will or prayer, religion, yada, yada. So, you know, for God to reach into my life and rip me out of my addiction and bring me to this lovely city of Utica and teach me that I'm still a mess no matter where I go because I'm, I'm taking myself with me. So I can't blame my parents anymore. I can't blame my city of origin anymore. I can't blame the way I was brought up and I can't blame that I was poor and I can't blame this and I can't blame that because the truth of the matter is there's nobody that screwed up my life more than me. And at some point, I became accountable to my own actions and realizing that, Tom, you are making a mess of this. And something needs to change. You know, and I would try to get sober my way, and I would try to, to, to follow the suggestions if I agreed with them. And I didn't want to do anything I didn't want to do because I knew it was best. And the truth of the matter is, is I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, and after my last relapse coming back and someone invited me to church and I was like, it can't hurt me. I was in a crack house just a couple of days ago. You know, and I went and I heard the message of Christ for the very first time. You know, and that he's this loving God and he wants to forgive me of my sins and he wants to come into my my heart and change my life and completely transform me. And I remember sitting there and weeping because all I'd ever heard is religion. Don't sin, put money in the bucket, you're going to hell. You know, I never heard this message of love. I've never heard this message of relationship. I've never heard this message that he wants to heal me. And it floored me. But I didn't want religion, but I did want Jesus. So I began to, to continue going to you know, celebrate recovery at that time. And, and a few weeks had passed. And I'm like, I woke up one Sunday morning and I said, if I'm going to get serious about this God stuff, I should go to church. And I went to church and, and everything's been changed ever since. You know, but God wants to move in our lives. You know, in Jeremiah 6.14, it says that you can't be healed of a wound that you say you don't have. Many of us love denial. It's our bestest of friends. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How is Jesus? Oh, yeah, me and him are tight. You know, it's like I haven't prayed. I haven't read the Bible. I haven't been to church. You know, you know I'm still doing a lot of the stuff I, I used to be doing, but at least I'm not doing, you know, my favorite one is at least I'm not smoking crack. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you never should have been. But, hey, whatever. You know, we have all these excuses of why I continue in certain patterns in my life, although I want certain other ones to change, but I enjoy some of the other ones, even though they cause me a lot of pain too. You know, and it's so important for us to begin to say, God, I want you, and I want you to have all of me. You know, when we compartmentalize our lives and we give Jesus just a little bit, we still have a lot of dysfunction, or at least I do. You know, and I know I need him to come into my life and completely transform me. See, what Jeremiah was seeing in that day and age is a lot of people that acted one way and did some other stuff. Now, we're all guilty of that. You know, I remember 
you know, not wanting to go to church because there's hypocrites there. And then I started going and I realized I was one too. And I'm like, damn it, I don't like this. You know, and I decided to do my best to live according to the Bible to the best of my ability. You know, and I take a lot of flack for it at times because I say that we should stay out of relationships and I say that we should be pure. Why? Is it my message? No, it's the message of the Bible. You know, that we should live a certain way and we should not do this and we should do this and we should grow in our relationship and we should read our word and we should praise and worship. You know, Tom's weird and Tom's got a cult and Tom's this and Tom's that. And you know what? Tom's trying to live his life according to the Bible to the best of his ability. You know, am I perfect? Absolutely not. You hang out with me for just a little while, you'll see a lot of my character defects. Don't laugh too much. However, I try to lay my life down on a regular basis saying, Jesus, use me. You know, and I had to choose many years ago, am I going to go through the motions or am I going to let Jesus take me where he wants to take me? And it's a big choice. This isn't an easy choice. This is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do. Because it, it will cost us. It will cost us everything. You know, our re- reputation, out the door. Where you're working, probably out the door. Family members, out the door. You know, and, and the list is as long as our arms of stuff that we might lose but gain Jesus. You know, you will lose friends. I promise you that. You know, one of my good friends that I was working with at the time when I accepted Jesus and started following him, he began to tell everybody that he wished that I died in a burning car accident. Ooh, that's a good friend right there. Ooh, come on. Glory to God. You know, but we have to make this choice because nobody can make it for us. You know, am I going to just try to get Jesus to let me into heaven? Or am I going to try to get Jesus to take some of this pain away? Am I going to try to get Jesus to, to take this addiction away, but I'm going to continue to live this way how I want? Am I going to just go to church and live a completely different way all the rest of the days? Or am I going to say, I want Jesus, and I don't know what that means, but I know that I continue to live my way, I continue to cause havoc. You know, And when I came back this last time, I knew that I had no idea what I'm doing. No idea. I have no idea how to live sober. I have no idea how to follow Jesus. I have no idea how to manage money. I have no idea how to manage emotion. I have no idea how to have relationships. I have no idea how to be pure. I have no idea, fill in the blank, there's a lot of things that I have no idea what I'm doing. And I said, you know what? I have to be willing. I put everything I thought I knew on the shelf. And as I began to study the Bible and study recovery, some things came off the shelf, some things went in the garbage can. You know, and I started to learn that having a relationship with Jesus has nothing to do with being religious. Having a relationship with Jesus, a lot of the things that we do on a regular, on a regular basis that have something to do with Christianity aren't biblical. They've been taught to us by church traditions and really there have no real place in our lives except this is what we do. Why do we have Christmas trees? It's in the Bible. No, it's not. It's a pagan thing. You know, why do we call Easter Easter? Because it's a pagan thing. You know, there's all these things that we've been passed down through church history that when we get into our Bibles, it's not in there. And I remember reading the Bible for the first time and saying, do Christians actually read this thing? Because I've never seen Christians act like this. You know, and Gandhi says, "I, I like your Christ, but I don't really like your Christians much. You know, and where we get the name Christian from, 
it was a slang term, almost derogatory, in the sense of, like, oh, look at you Christians, baby Christs. That they represented Christ in such a way that somebody said, hey, they look like that other guy. And now we've made Christians go into church on Sundays and we wear crosses on around our necks. And there's nothing wrong with crosses around your neck. That's not my point. The point is, is that we look at on the outside, but on the inside, we're far from him. And what Jeremiah is getting to the point is, you can look a certain way, but your heart is far from God. And when the back is turned, you're worshiping different types of idols. And then it got so bad that they were worshiping idols outside of the temple. That they would, you know, the priests of the day were representing Yahweh, but outside they're doing all sorts of different rituals and all sorts of different beliefs. And it got so bad that they were even having child sacrifices outside of the temple because that's the way the Canaanite gods would worship their gods. And there would be all this sexual stuff and there would be all these different things and they're taking advantage of the poor and they're taking advantage of the, you know, the refugees that are coming into the city. There was all this lying and manipulation and stealing and fornication and it was crazy. You know, if we really look at, you know, without demonizing Hollywood, what we see on TV on a regular basis is probably just as bad as what they were doing right in public square. Because what we see on TV today, 50 years ago, would have been considered pornography. You know, and we've become so accustomed to it that it's just normal. You know, as we continue to see in the culture that, you know, we put on masks. And Jesus gets behind our masks no matter how many, you know, times we try to, to fake it. You know, he knows what's going on in our heart. You know, and... What was going on in that day in Jeremiah, you know, in that time frame, is that God was calling them to change. You know, and he even prophesied that, you know, that from the north there's going to come judgment. You know, and they're like, yeah, right, God won't do that to us. You know, and sure enough, you know, when the time was right, God used Babylon to come in and and wipe them clean. You know, and... I think that for us, it's a little different. You know, Canada's not going to come down and kick our butts. That I promise you. However, you know, God continues to say, hey, if you keep doing this, eventually something's going to happen. You know, how many times have we been on the way to go do something and we hear the little voice and say, that's a bad idea, and I keep going anyway. And then something happens and it's a bad idea. You know, how many times... If we got that conviction inside of us that says, hey, you should stop doing this. Hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, you should do this and do that. Hey, you know, you should spend time in your Bible and, and get off of the porn. You should do this and you should do that. How many times has the Holy Spirit been moving in our lives and we're like, ah, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, and then tomorrow becomes tomorrow and becomes tomorrow. And then eventually, you know, consequences come for our actions, you know. We serve a very loving God that wants to, to get into the depths of our hearts and heal us from the inside out. That He wants to completely transform us. He wants to completely heal us. You know, and I know that there's times that it doesn't feel like it's safe to be real, safe to be vulnerable, because, you know, we've been vulnerable in the past and something has happened, you know, 
that we've, we've shared, you know, a secret with somebody and then other people found out that we've tried to, to go to counseling for something that we've been working on or something that's happened in the past and it didn't turn out the way we'd hoped. You know, I know for me, I was, you know, been molested as a kid and, you know, it was 20 years before I ever really started talking about it in a mental health um, counselor's, you know, office. And about six weeks into my relationship with this therapist, she left. She quit her job and she moved somewhere else. And I was destroyed. I was destroyed because I was finally being vulnerable with somebody that I thought I could trust. And out of nowhere, it's like, oh, she knew she was quitting. But no counselor is going to say, hey, I'm leaving in six weeks. Will you tell me everything? You know, so she was doing her job in a sense, but I was floored by this. You know, and what I've come to learn is that Jesus will never do that to us. He is always with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. That he is always going to be right there. So for some of us, the things that we're struggling with the most, some of our deepest, darkest things, the first place that we need to turn to is saying, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to process this. I don't know what to do with this area of my life. So the first thing we do is say, God, I need your help. You know, I need to bring this somewhere. You know, I do believe that it's important that we bring people, the right people. You know, we've shared things with our BFFs and that, you know, backfired on us. You know, we, we shared things with a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend and that backed up backfired on us and they used it against us but there are trained professionals that have gone through what they need to go through to to have the the education or the experience that we can share some of our craziest stories and they're not going to be phased by it you know they're not going to judge us they're not going to tell us to get out of their offices or their whatever you know so it's important that we first start dealing with our junk with jesus and then eventually the right person will be illuminated and we can begin to, to talk to them as well. You know, it's so important that we, we recognize, you know, what God is doing in our lives. You know, that we're here because God has gotten every one of our attentions on one level or another. You know, and we have to, to realize that we can't just throw out the Christian bumper sticker statement and think that that's good enough. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, but biblically it's talking about being hungry and being poor. You know, that Paul was able to obey or abound, that he was at times didn't have food. And there was times that he had no money and he was able to continue to press on. So he declared, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And now we've made that into, I can do whatever I want and Jesus will co-sign my stuff. You know, and that's not true. You know, because there's sometimes that God's like, no, that's a bad idea. He's like, I can do all things through Christ. Why isn't this working? And it's like, because Christ didn't have anything to do with that. You know, and another one of those is Jeremiah 29:11 was, I have a purpose and a plan for you, and you're going to prosper. But when you look at it biblically, you know, Babylon's coming. You know, <laughs> Jerusalem's getting destroyed, and He's giving them hope in the midst of the chaos. And saying, I still have a purpose. Even though all this looks crazy, I still got you. You know, and Jeremiah is prophesying that Babylon's coming. And none of the leaders wanted to believe him. And there was even other prophets that were there and be like, no, he's crazy. That's not going to happen. You know, God's going to take care of us. 
But meanwhile, they're worshiping all these other gods, and God's like, no, I'm not. As long as you stay in your sin, I'm not obligated to protect you in it. And so often we wonder why consequences come because we're hiding certain things or we're living certain ways. And we know without being biblical experts that some of the stuff that we're doing we shouldn't be doing. And we wonder why all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out from underneath us and there's a consequence and we're like, God, where did you go? And he's like, I've been standing here the whole time telling you you shouldn't be doing that stuff. And when we really get honest with ourselves, we're like, yeah, but let's blame God and run away. (laughs) You know, and we see it a lot of times. You know, we see it a lot of times. You know, and this is what Jeremiah, you know, 29 actually has to say. This is what the Lord says. that In 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to cause you harm, plans to give you hope in a future. Then I will, then you will call on my name and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me and when you seek me with all your heart. Now, to me, if God is going to tell me he's going to prosper me, or listen to me, I would rather have God listen to me. For me, if if you're going to tell me that He's going to prosper me, or He's going to, I can seek Him and find Him. I would rather find Him than to prosper. And that's just me. You know, you could give me all the money in the world and say that I couldn't talk to Jesus ever again. I'd say keep it. And that if you would have told me that that would have been my stance as a baby Christian, I'd be like, no, give me the money. I'll figure out the Jesus stuff later. <laughs> Because we think prosperity is what we really, really want. But what we truly need is a God who listens and a God who finds us when we look for him. You know, and this is the promise that I will take care of you. Everything around them is getting crazy. Like Babylon's coming in and killing everyone. He's destroying that, Babylon's destroying that city. And he's like, I got you. I have a purpose and a plan for you. Like, without a relationship with God, our circumstances that we have right now in our life feel like they're killing us. Some of you are going through some seriously tough stuff, sober, with Jesus. And Jesus is like, I got you, don't worry. And you're like, ah! <laughs> like, if you would have told me that this is going to be like this, ah! You know, and you're freaking out. And God's like, I got you. I got a purpose. I got a plan. It's going to be great. I'm going to listen to you later. (laughs) We'll hang out. You seek me, I'll find you. It'll be good. Now, it won't take 70 years. I promise you that. Most of us will be dead in 70 years. Me being one of them. Probably not you. You'll be trying to find chicken somewhere else. Oh, come on. I love it. I love it. Our circumstances don't dictate what's going on inside. See, what I allowed my entire life is that what happened to me and what was happening around me dictated what I thought and what I felt. And what the Bible tells me is that if I trust Jesus and I renew my mind and He heals my heart, 
when crazy things go on around me and things don't happen the way I'd hope and this doesn't happen the way I'd expect it, it doesn't change the way I feel and the way I think if I trust Jesus. Now, this is not just easy. This is a choice that I have to make a million times within a day. Like, you wake up and like, yeah, my will is Jesus. I'm doing good. And then five seconds later, you're freaking out. You know, and this is where real trust is birthed. This is where real faith is grown in us, is when things are not the way we'd hoped. Things are not happening the way we expected. You know, we're doing good, and bad things and trials are still happening. See, so often we think that when we get sober or we get saved, everything's going to be easy from this point on. That is not the truth. That there is a supernatural war going on around us, and that when we surrender our lives to Christ and yet continue to stay in sin, it opens the door to all sorts of crazy stuff to happen to us. When we surrender our lives to Christ and begin to repent and stay out of sin to the best of our ability, the enemy technically can't touch us. You know, when we really look at Scripture, that Jesus did not walk around rebuking demons and and praying this spiritual warfare stuff. He was perfectly in the will of the Father, and the demons and the crazy stuff couldn't touch him. So it's so important for us to realize that if we surrender our lives and we're repenting and we're, we're being to our best abilities, surrendered to Christ, doing it his way, not that any of us will be perfect, including me, I'm not up here preaching to the choir, I'm one of us. I have to talk to Jesus on a regular basis about the things I say, the things I think, and the things I do, so that I get realigned with Christ and say, hey, I probably shouldn't do that. You know, this week I wanted to do some stuff and mail some stuff and say some stuff, and I'm like, mm, you zip it. I trust you, Jesus. We're going to do it your way. And then God has a funny way of bringing around what's supposed to happen without Tom's help. Thank you, Jesus. You know, so it's so important for us to realize that no matter what's happening around us, that if we look at Scripture, why well, He has a purpose and a plan for me, that does not mean that crazy stuff might not happen. However, if we surrender Him, He's going to listen to our prayers. And then if we seek Him, we'll find Him. See, one of the things that set me on this journey many, many years ago is that in the big book it says, God could and would if He were sought relieve me from the state of hopeless mind and body. Now, I did not have Jesus. I was barely a believer of anything. I stepped over from atheism into there must be something going on because I'm still alive. That's about all I got. And I hear in the meeting that God couldn't, if he were sought, relieve me from the state of hopelessness in my mind and in my heart. Now, I know exactly what it means to seek out somebody that's got drugs. I will walk all over the city for next to nothing. It does not matter what's going on outside. It could be the blizzard. I could have no socks on, and I will walk to go get what I want because I'm seeking out something. Can we put that same tenacity in seeking God? And see, a long time ago, I had to make a decision, like, Tom, can you figure this out on your own? And like, oh, hell no. 
I do a horrible job of figuring this out on my own. My will destroys me over and over and over again. And I'm still a firm believer, apart from Christ today, if I start taking my will back, I will destroy my life all over again. Why? Because I'm corrupted. Well, I'm a good person. Well, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that my heart is wicked. Hmm, how about that? You know, that we can't depend on our flesh and our strength. Whose hearts turn away from the Lord so easily? You know, how many times are we seeking God and something happens? Well, this boy hit on me and he was really cute. And all of a sudden, whew, there goes Jesus. Well, she was really hot and she has a car. Well, there goes Jesus. You know, how many times? Oh, it's time to get a job. There goes Jesus. You know, oh, I gotta do this. Oh, I gotta do this. There goes Jesus. You know, for me, I made a commitment and said, you know what? I have to figure this Jesus stuff out. And within a short amount of time, Jesus showed me that his ways were way beyond my ways. And I, I'm committed to what I should be doing and where I should be. You know, and it's just like going to the gym. If I'm not committed to that type of a lifestyle, the gym will do me no good even if I'm paying for it. I call it the fat tax. <clears throat> I, play, I pay Planet Fatness, but I never go. They're taxing me because I'm fat. The truth of the matter is that we can go through the motions of religion and I can have a belief system, but if it's not changing me from the inside out, what good is it? Just because I go through the motions doesn't mean that I'm changing. If I'm not changing and I have just different things I'm saying, then I look and I act the same way as I used to. Just now I call myself a believer. Now for me, I know that I can't do that. I know for me that an hour on a Sunday isn't enough for this sinner to figure out Jesus. I don't even know for me an, a meeting once a day in church on a Sunday isn't enough for this crazy person to change. That I have to figure this out for myself. I had to get into my Bible. I had to learn how to pray. I had to change what I was listening to. I had to change what I was watching. And some people are like, like, Tom, that's extreme. I sinned extremely. If I only go halfway with this and I only change half of my stuff, What's the likelihood the bad half of me is going to take over the good half of me? 100%. Why? Because I'm corrupted to the core. I need Jesus to come into the inside of me and begin to change me from the inside out, changing almost every aspect of my life, but leaving character and personality, but yet twisting and changing and forming it into his image, changing the way I think. Many of us have been gifts, given gifts on many different levels, talents on many different levels, but we've been using it for the wrong side of the street. Most of us could be really good used car salesmen. We know how to hustle. And then we get to Jesus and we're wondering why we can't make any money. But we don't know how to make money in the right way. But if we start turning our mind and saying, God, use this thing that you've given me, all of a sudden plans and ideas and, and things start to pop in our way, but yet we still think the wrong way to get it accomplished, so we say, Ooh, let's back up. God, how do I do this your way? Well, it's going to take some time. Well, I don't want to wait. I don't like waiting. I don't know how to wait. I want it now. And he's like, eh, I got you. You know, patience is a virtue. 
but we're virtually not patient. <laughs> you know, and some people say you should pray for patience, and some people say you should. I'm on the side that you should pray for patience. Why? Because it'll take you a long time to learn it, so you're going to get patience any which way you look at it. You can pray for patience and things will happen to you now, or you cannot pray for patience and it'll take you a long time to learn the same lesson. So you get patience one way or another. I used to pray for patience a lot when I was a baby Christian and even in recovery. I'd be like, oh, don't do that. I'm glad that I did because now I have patience. And it, it takes a lot to, to get me stirred up. And usually it's something inanimate. But anyway, you know, as we continue to look at what Scripture is telling us, in Jeremiah 30, it's to me is one of the greatest promises in the Bible. I will restore you to health. I will heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Because you are called an outcast whom no one cares. I don't know about you, but I've been an outcast my whole life. And there's not been a whole lot of people that cared about me throughout my life. But God's saying that if you do things His way, that He's going to come in and heal us and heal our wounds, to me, that's a pretty crazy promise. But that doesn't mean I just say I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean that I own a Bible and just go to church. See, many of us like the idea of a Savior, that if I, I say a prayer, then I get to go to heaven, and we kind of leave it there. But there's aspects of Jesus. And one of those things in this scripture, it says, Lord, that when we make Jesus our Lord, it means he gets to direct what we do. Now wait, whoa, I have free will. Do you? And where has your free will gotten you to this point? See, Jesus is called the commander of hosts. He's in charge of God's angel's army. Now, I know there's a few of you that have been in the military. But the second you sign the paper and go into the military, is your will your own? Do you get to choose what you get to do and not do? Do you even get to choose what you say and not say? See, if we're really in God's army, and He is our commander-in-chief, that He is our Lord, isn't there some things that are needing to be adjusted? Now, I need to to be clear. We're never going to be perfect. However, when I'm making excuses for a sin pattern... Years after having Jesus, something needs to be arranged with me and Jesus that I need to submit to him and his will in some areas of my life so that I begin to to turn into what he's asking me to be. That God has a purpose and a plan for all of our junk. You know, in Jeremiah 33.3, it says, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great unsearchable things that you do not know. None of us know what's going to happen even today or tomorrow or next week or next year. Some of us are in some pretty crazy situations. But if we call out to God and say, God, I need you. God, I'm surrendering again. Jesus, I need to grow in my relationship with you. I'm ready to pick up my word and begin to learn. You know, I'm going to start to put on worship and pray. When I'm sitting in the doctor's office waiting, I'm going to 
open up the Bible app instead of playing Angry Birds or whatever it is. You know, there's so much time throughout our day where we can choose. I'm going to, I'm going to press into Jesus a little bit. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you have to be super religious because that doesn't work either. However, if I'm growing in my relationship with him, that he begins to take me on this new journey and that he will come into our situations and he will heal us and heal our situations, heal our parents, heal our kids, heal our finances, heal our bodies, heal. That he will come in and he will listen to us, that he will guide us, that he will change us and he will speak to us and he will take us to new places. I never in a million years could have imagined what he would have done with my life. You know, and on some levels, I don't think he's done on any level. Like, it's just going to get crazier from here on out. Each one of us has to choose, am I going to surrender? Am I going to surrender again? Am I going to surrender again? Am I going to surrender again? Am I going to choose to live to the best of my ability according to what the Bible is asking me to do and not do? Am I going to try to figure out this relationship with God? Am I going to continue to allow certain areas of of sin to continue? Each one of us has to make that choice. Nobody can do it but you and me for my life and yours. You know, so often we want somebody else to help us to make some of these changes and, and accountability is a thing. But I can't make any one of you change an area in your life that you don't want to change. And you can't make somebody else change an area in their lives that they don't want to change. Each one of us has to say, Jesus, I'm ready to change this area of my life. Because he's already been talking to each one of us about that area. You know, he wants us to grow in our relationship with him because he has a better plan for us. You know, if you would have told me that this is what I would want to be doing on a Friday night, I'd be like, you're crazy. Just think of all the places that we've been on Friday nights. Church ain't one of them. Church is not real high on the list of the stuff that we thought we'd be doing on a Friday night. Probably real close to the bottom of the list. And yet here we are, trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to change. God is moving in our lives. God is healing us even as we're sitting here. God's moving in your children. God's moving in your finances. God's moving in your parents. God's moving in your marriages. Why? Because that's what he does and that's who he is. He loves us so much that he begins to change our circumstances. You know, in 2 Corinthians 7, 9-11, through is one of the verses that really hit me hard when I first started reading the Word. And it says, I've sent you this painful thing and I'm not sorry. Because it made you turn from your sinful ways to your salvation. Many of us would not be here if the painful thing that started motivating us to Jesus didn't happen. If we didn't go to jail, didn't go to prison, didn't have that accident, didn't get that DWI, didn't this, didn't that. This thing didn't happen. This thing didn't happen. And we're like, this is the worst thing ever. I know for me, when I first started going to jail and I actually had to sit there for a minute, I don't want to live this way. I don't ever want to go back to this place. Did I get Jesus that day? No, I didn't. It took me some time. 
but I started trying to figure out how to change. And that's part of the process. You know, from the first day that I prayed my first prayer to the time that I walked into church for the first time was years. It was years, but I sought out God. I don't know where most of you are. I know where some of you are. I just want to really encourage you to start seeking God. Not going through the motions of Christianity. Because you'll get really frustrated with that. Seeking God is different than just being a Christian. You just bow your head to me. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you that you are moving in our lives, Lord. There's things that you used me to say, Lord, that were really planting seeds in the hearts and the minds of everyone in here, including myself, Lord. I know that I need to change. I know that I need to quit making excuses, Lord, that this this message is convicting me. Lord, I just pray that you're you're faithful to us, Lord, that you you listen to us, Lord. As we seek you, we find you. And when we find you, everything begins to change. Lord, help us to, to press in. Lord, help us to fight the way we fought for sin. Lord, help us to make you our Lord so that you really begin to dictate things that we do and things that we say, things that we think. Lord, I pray that our minds would begin to be renewed. I pray for depression and anxiety to be lifted right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for areas in our hearts where we've been wounded deeply, that you begin to heal us. Lord, all because you say that you're going to heal us. Your word says that you'll heal our wounds and that you'll restore us, Lord. So, Lord, I just ask that you come and fulfill your word, your promises, Lord. As we seek you, we'll find you and you'll heal us. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many.